The news overnight that Robert Mugabe has uh, finally resigned as Zimbabwe's president. There's a lot of people there dancing in the street. They think it's a pretty, pretty good thing. Back in 1980, when they uh, got independence, Bob Marley released this. Yeah, Bob Marley's Zimbabwe. Adam Shand, a very good morning, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Clicking your heels, are you? Doing uh, cartwheels, all that sort of stuff? I don't know what to do with myself. I'm euphoric, Blackers. It's just a great, great day, and it's interesting you played that Bob Marley song because he predicted in that verse exactly what was going to happen back in 1980, that power struggles and and the love of power was going to overwhelm the sense of fellowship and, and the wonderful opportunity that Zimbabwe had back then. And this truly feels like Independence Day to uh, the people I'm speaking to, at least. It certainly would do. Now, back in the early 90s, you worked in Zimbabwe for a few years as a freelance junior, and uh, you married your wife, Sekai, who is a Zimbabwean, and uh, she's still over there working at the moment. They'd be very, very happy about this. Is it... I mean... First of all, what's, what do you think is going to happen to all of the, uh, the businesses and the property and everything else that he's basically uh, you know, stuck in his back pocket over that 37 years? The well, anything he can't that? carry away with him is going to stay there. I mean, Grace, the disgrace, as I like to call her, yep. uh, she pinched a whole bunch of farms, all the most prime dairy country around uh, uh, about an hour north of uh, town. That's all going to go. Um, they've got properties in Dubai, Singapore, Malaysia, South Africa. It uh, depends on the, on the governments of those countries as to whether the Zimbabwe government might seek to recover those. But, but as I understand it, they've been, she's been bailing up you know, US dollars for a long time, so she would have shipped those out somewhere. So, I mean, she'll never, she'll never uh, you know, be short of a dollar, but she'll, she can't set foot back in the country. And I'm, I'm not sure whether they've left or not yet, but I think they will. I think they will too. I, I heard last week that uh, Grace Mugabe was actually, she'd left the country. I don't know, don't know whether that was true or not. But uh, do you think, I mean, apart from the, the, the sacking there of the former vice, well, the vice president, Emerson Mnangagwa, um, people were talking about there a week or two ago about Grace becoming the new president. I mean, that must have scared the hell out of people. Well, that was the madness, you know, that was setting in. Like, I go there every year, Blackers, and this year I said, listen, I can't go. I, can't, I simply cannot support this regime anymore unless there's change. And we're heading off to, to Cuba and shit. <laughs> I wish I was going to Harare right now, frankly. Yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, and the, um, the, uh, the, the prospect of her taking over was just too much. And particularly the, the problem with Zimbabwe, yes, Mugabe's been the tyrant and the enabler, but the gangsters who were just below him, the cabinet ministers who were able to get in there and just rip and steal and rape the country, you know, they're the ones who are in league with Grace and they were pushing her forward. Poor old, poor old Mugabe, I mean, he couldn't even stay awake during a cabinet meeting. She'd take him to Zimbabwe uh, every few, sorry, to, to Singapore every few months to get his blood completely transfused, you know. Yeah. He was just living on borrowed time and I mean, a testament to that, like, as it was when the, the soldiers came into their magnificent home in, in Harare, uh, he just fell down. He, he couldn't believe this was happening, and, and she fell down, wailing. This was such a shock to them. How, how alienated and isolated from reality they'd become was just phenomenal. What's the recovery going to be like, you think? I mean, what's the future? How does it look? Mate, it's going to be fast going to be very fast and i would imagine there's a whole bunch of perth entrepreneurs going to the airport and trying to get in there because i'm not speaking to one investor last night who's who's been waiting for five years for this to happen he's got 10 million dollars ready to go to invest in farming over there 
and you've got a whole bunch of uh, the NGOs, the non-government organisations, the World Visions, the, the various uh, you know, aid organisations will be pouring in there because it's a great place to be, it's got fantastic prospects, and the whole region has been going ahead, albeit without Zimbabwe, for the last decade or more. Yeah, let's hope, it's, uh, let's hope it is like that. It would be fantastic. I Just reading Mugabe's letter that he read out in Parliament, it says, My decision to resign is voluntary on my part and arises from my concern for the welfare of the people of Zimbabwe and my desire for a smooth, non-violent transfer of power. What a load of crap. Well, it is. I mean, considering what he's done over the years, yes. but the manner of his resignation was quite important, Black, is because if he'd resigned as soon as the, the army walked into his house or in that moment where he gave the speech, there would be the stench of illegitimacy over the government going forward. So he's actually, when the army said it wasn't a coup, it's turned out not to be at least a, a conventional coup in the sense that it just allowed some space for the civil society in Zimbabwe to finally shake their sense of fear of Mugabe and say, we want you to go. And there's a, there's a, there's a thing embedded in all our constitutions, Blackers, which talks about governments uh, are there at the will of the people. And that's not, that's not a, a vague legal thing. It's actually, if, if enough people get out there and say, we want you to go, uh, there will be a response from the other arms of government, as there was with the, with the, with the military. So... In the end, Mugabe has done the right thing by uh, resigning while the impeachment process was on so Menangagwa can walk in at least until the next election, which is midway through next year, and be a legitimate president, not have issues you know, from a, uh, a Mugabe faction, if it still exists at all. Yeah, just quickly, the white landowners that lost all of their land, many of them were murdered and uh, all that sort of stuff. What chances have they got of getting their land back if they're still alive? Well, this is the really interesting part. Uh, the law, the constitution supports their right of property. So whichever person's in charge, they're going to have to deal with a, a, a compensation package at the very least or, or something else that's going, to be, that's going to be equally interesting. But I think they have to do this because, as I say, there are investors who want to come in, but they want a clear sense of what's going to happen. And as I say, there are a lot of former uh, Zimbabweans, white and black, living in Western Australia, they're going to want to go back. They're going to want to bring their money home and they want to know if they buy a property, it'll still be theirs tomorrow. I think it will be, but it's going to be a complex legal process from here. It certainly is. Adam Shan, thank you very much, mate. I uh, enjoy your insight, mate. Talk to you later. Thank you so much, my little best. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. From the inside cover, over at the West Australian, it's Ben O'Shea. Yes, very good morning, mate. How are you? G'day, mate. How are you? Not bad. How are you going now? Yeah, pretty good. Now, do you remember last week we were, to, we were talking about WA's biggest tighter? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I threw my father's hat in the ring, remember? Yeah, that's right. No, he was right up there. Uh, but uh, even he'll have to take a back seat to this person. So yeah. we spoke last week about the people who were reusing the, um, the, the plastic wrap that their home-delivered newspaper came in <laughs> yes. to wrap their husband's sandwiches. Uh, yeah. Those blokes are lucky. Uh, I came across a woman who, on her, on her daily walks with her dog, uh, collects the free doggy do bags uh, from the park and wraps her husband's sandwiches oh, in Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know what I don't, his workmates I, must think. I don't know where they've been, but I know where they're going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just ridiculous, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, anything to save, anything to save a couple of dollars. That's right. God, and, uh, and the other bit of strange news I've got for you. So, uh, in in WA politics, the uh, the former member for Morley, Ian Britzer, yeah. uh, who who really copped a flogging in the March election. I think he had something like a sixteen point swing against him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Things are looking which, good for him then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he, but he hasn't let that put him off politics. Uh, instead, he's jumped in the ute. He's got a ute and driven across the Nullarbor, and he's going to take on Barnaby Joyce, the uh, you know the deputy PM yeah. uh, and leader of the Nationals, who yeah. was caught up in the dual citizenship uh, controversy, uh, for the seat of New England in New South Wales. Really? Yeah. What makes him? What on earth makes him think he can do that? Well, that's exactly what I put to him. I said, "Oh, why would why would someone vote vote for a blow-in like you, Ian?" Yeah. And he said, "Oh, he said, well, you know, I, I really am well versed in the issues concerning the the uh, residents of this electorate. Uh, I've spent all <laughs> Even my I've time. I've never been there before. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I've spent I've spent all my time in New England uh, since arriving from Perth three weeks ago." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, but me. you know what they say, a week is a long time in politics. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we wish him all the best then, won't we? Yeah, exactly. God, that's just ridiculous. All right, thank you very much, mate. We'll catch you next week. Sounds good. <laughs> Eight questions and 60 seconds to get them all right. Triple M's 838. Piari & Co, your local dining experience. Piari&co.com.au Yes, Carol from Australind. Hello, Carol. Good morning. Radio, Carol. You know how this works. If you get one incorrect, it's all over. But if you're not sure, you can pass. And if we have time, we'll get back to it, okay? Sounds good. $250 on the line here to spend at Piari & Co., your local dining experience in Dunsborough. Okay, here we go. Let's get into the 60-second timer. Question number one. In federal politics, who's the current leader of the opposition? Shorten. English singer David Essex had a huge hit in 73, which with, with uh, which song? Pass. Which two numbers are used in a binary code? Zero and one. Yes. Where was the first European settlement in WA? Perth. Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, sorry, it was Albany. Albany. Albany, oh, Albany, Albany, Albany. Okay, try again. Hopefully we'll hear from you again because two fifty. You know, I think you've had a couple of cracks in the past. I, reckon I have. <laughs> okay, well you keep having a go. Thanks, Michael. All right, have a great day, Anne. See you later. You too. Bye bye. And we'll do it again for you tomorrow morning after eight thirty. Um, I must admit, Aaron, mm. you because you do these questions. I do my best. I I would have been. I mean, it's terrible of me, but I would have been stumped on where the first European settlement in WA was. Yeah, I didn't realise it was Albany. It's Albany. Yeah, and it's. No, um, I thought it was. I thought it was Crown on the, on the <laughs> Swan River. <laughs> no, Albany um, predates uh, the Perth settlement by two or three years. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. Gee, I didn't realise that. Yep. That's something I've learned today, courtesy go. of the 838. Hey. Hey? There you go. 